What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio. But when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, mfceo.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. started. Big MX Radio, brought to you by Fly Racing USA, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. W Wheels USA, Moto Ice Wrap, and Maxima USA make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop. On Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by FMF and Fast House Racing Apparel. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line, he comes to us, uh, I guess this is the uh, this is the eighth round, so it should be the eighth time all season, although I think maybe we might have missed one along the way, but uh, we try not to miss a single week without having Dave Drakes on the show. Dave, how's it going? Pretty good, man. Had a uh, great weekend at Spring Creek. Now we're just doing the long haul back home. I apologize for not being there. I told you I'd be there. Uh, you did. And I, and I, I, I was heartbroken. I know. I know. I uh, It's my home national, <laughs> so to speak, the closest one to the Canadian border, or at least the one that I live closest to. And uh, I wasn't able to be there, um, multitude of reasons, mainly work. But, uh, yeah, uh, you enjoyed um, the third national in a row that you're attending. What? Uh, yeah, I did, we're, we're making, a, making a, a, a thing about this, man. I feel like we're back in Supercross schedule. No kidding. You're, you're, <laughs> uh, you're, you're surrounding yourself with professionals, and that's super cool to see. Um, obviously, we'll talk a little bit about the, uh, the pro national side of things, but uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about what went on today. AJ Catanzaro, a good friend of yours, and a, uh, a, an ex- like a, basically a, a very coveted member of the collective experience doing some riding schools throughout the, uh, the Eastern Swing here. And uh, yeah, you were able to not only get some throttle therapy, but uh, some purposeful throttle therapy with some instruction from AJ as well as uh, Christian Craig. Tell me about it. Yeah, it was really great. Um, you know, AJ uh, holds um, a, a hosts a bunch of uh, riding academies around the world, actually. So it's not just U.S. based. He does it, I think, in Australia, Dubai, um, and really um, all over. Uh, and I finally got a chance to kind of uh, check one out and, and ride one also, and it was an absolute blast. Uh, AJ does a great job at, at just breaking down those really hard to grasp techniques and fundamentals to a very manageable and understandable uh, like manner for, you know, for knuckleheads like myself and all the way down to little 50 riders, um, just working on, you know, cornering uh, starts, uh, pairing up on drills. It's, it's super, super good class. Um, yeah, I finally, you know, got my fat butt on a bike and uh, 
got some much needed instruction, uh, dropping the elbows a lot. And, uh, it was super cool to kind of ride and, uh, you know, progress with other people and get instruction from Christian Craig as well. Uh, you know, most people are huge Christian Craig fans and the guy was just super nice, really knowledgeable and, uh, picked us in the shape for sure. So yeah, after, you know, great racing at Millville, it was, it was awesome to just ride a, ride a track close by, uh, get some thought of therapy, as you'd say, and, uh, yeah, have fun. For sure. And then on top of that, uh, you had to have been uh, grinning ear to ear when uh, he'd let you know that uh, he's heard of the collective experience. He's familiar with it. He must be an avid Big MX radio listener, which makes me feel good. And uh, to know that he's getting all of his information about the collective experience here on the Big MX radio podcast show. Oh, of course. Who doesn't listen to Big MX radio, man? Come on. Probably Steve Mathis. World, world, world now. <laughs> okay. okay, yeah, I am. I mean, I, I get one we know uh, one <laughs> but uh but yeah christian was a super nice guy like i said and uh yeah he's sort of the collective and we kind of just that trace a little bit talked about um you know my program what he has going a lot of cool stuff really really cool to see that our uh our pro- little programs having such a big reach out in the industry to where a lot more uh factory guys and uh and you know top tier industry guys are starting to hear more about us so it's, it's promising it's For sure, Goliath throwing the stone, and uh, maybe one of those uh, factory guys catches that stone and says, "Hey, let's uh, l- let's let the collective experience come into uh, the next level pit." And I think we talked a little bit about that off air uh, last podcast about maybe having an opportunity, maybe not, uh, maybe integrating the collective experience in uh, into the factory level. Uh, possibly a little bit different way rather than uh, uh, like a, a, an active racer on a race day, but on like a, say a, a 250F guy, a guy that's normally racing East, you know, they have some uh, sponsor obligations and some signing obligations uh, on the, in the early rounds of whether it be West Coast or East Coast. A lot of those guys make their way out there and uh, yeah, someone could kind of tag along with uh, an Adam Cianciarolo or a Christian Craig for uh, the weekend and, uh, and kind of uh, see what it's like to live under those rigs because all too often those velvet ropes are, uh, are limited. Uh, like, uh, like often guys like even yourself can't walk, just can't just walk under there and, and, and do as you please. Uh, fortunately with the, my, my media credential allows me to go over there. Not like I'm welcomed there whatsoever, but I can go there. Um, so, uh, yeah, like that's something that, that might, as an avenue that might be able to be opened later on but for now uh the collective experience is uh the basically the best way for uh, for fans racers you name it uh to uh like experience the reality of a privateer's pit area their racing schedule their race day and everything that goes along with it and they become like a integral part of that racer's uh weekend exactly you said it perfectly um, we, you know, I don't think anyone who offers experiences like this gets you as close to the action as we do. Um, you know, most, most other programs, you know, not trying to, you know, bad about anybody, but really, I mean, you're getting a handshake, a few pictures, here's the cool t-shirt, the guy talked to you for five seconds and you're, you know, off doing your own thing where we really, I mean, you know, we really give you responsibility for the day. You know, we, we make sure that you're interactive, you're touching the bike, you're talking to tags, you're talking to the different industry guys throughout the day and um yeah it's very very immersive and uh you know we we wear people out man we, we bring them in super early we hang out with them throughout the day sometimes the, the, the experience doesn't end until 
you know, midnight, you know, when we're all, you know, eating food and kind of talking about our, about our race day and debriefing and stuff like that. And uh, I can't tell you how many people have just reached out saying how, um, how huge it was for them to experience that and how much it helped them solidify their career, their career goals and career path towards the industry. And we're looking enough to have had a few people, you know, get, get hooked up and connected with jobs because of our program. So something I'm very proud of, and I, I hope we can expand, uh, you know, next year in the coming years to offer something for the factory guys and, and even more so for, uh, for, for fans and, and, and privateers. The biggest thing that is that we want to make sure we grow the sport at the end of the day, that our riders, our fans, and the industry are, uh, are growing and are happy at the end of each, each individual race. So, uh, yeah, we'll keep trucking along and see, uh, see what happens here. For sure, my friend. Now, uh, I hope that everyone uh, who listens to this checks out the Collective Experience, the Collective EX at, at uh, or the Collective EX um, on, Instagram. on Instagram, and then yeah, uh, yep. the, the dot the, com. Uh, yes, throwing, a, throwing a curveball to those who are looking to find <laughs> you. Uh, always yeah. not a good it, idea, but. We tried. We tried getting the XP. It's, it's super difficult. It is what it is. So. No problem. But uh, <laughs> yeah, let's jump into this uh, this Millville National. They call it Spring Creek. Uh, not too many people do, honestly, unless you're doing the radio call or the uh, the TV call. Uh, it's Millville to everybody else. But uh, let's jump into the 250s, which uh, if I've ever seen somebody in two races really grab hold of an opportunity to win their first championship outdoors, it's Aaron Plessinger over the last two two weekends, uh, four convincing moto victories. He's made them look easy and uh, wearing some brand new 2019 uh, Thor gear for uh, the two thousand or for this last weekend. Looked good doing it. Uh, Aaron Plessinger finds himself with another one one performance and another overall. Uh, he's done that four times this year now, and uh, that seems to be the only way he knows how to win a national. But it's not a bad way to do it. Yeah, if if I could win a national with a one-one, I'd be happy. I know a lot of the other guys that he's whooping on would be happy too. But um, yeah, I I'd win a national with a five-eight. I don't care. Just let me win a national. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'll take anything. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're seeing a resurgence of Plessinger um, after last weekend's domination, or uh, sorry, the weekend prior at Redbud. Um, Aaron Plessinger is on a on a tear right now. I think, like I, I think I said this on the last on the last pod we did. Um, you know, AP came out swinging in the first few rounds and had that little lull for a while where, yeah, he was a red plate holder, but we, he wasn't doing much more than a top five here, top four podium position here, but really didn't make noise. And uh, I think um, this solidifies Aaron. It's like, you know, this, he showed those guys that he, this is a championship. Uh, it's going to take a, a lot to derail this guy right now. He's got the confidence, the speed. Um, the support of the industry behind him, and, and uh, he's he's going wide open right now. Um, it, it looks like you know what kind of what 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 Eli's doing in the four fifties. You know he's running away from these guys um, pretty pretty easily and almost wire to wire with this thing. So um, yeah, I just I don't see anybody who's got things right now. Now they're gonna have to step their game up pretty big to be able to to catch AP. But um, hats off. You just broke up there, but uh, hopefully uh, you you didn't crash your vehicle as you're going all the way home right now. Um, but uh, <laughs> in all in all reality, um, like this is the this is a championship style performance. Uh, he needs to win yeah. races, 
and uh, he needs to put real estate between himself and uh, Alex Martin, and he did exactly, exactly. that. The, the 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 furthest you can get away from the rest of the field is going one one on a day, and uh, yeah, it's it's it and 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 for that reason, uh, that even puts more pressure on a guy like Alex Martin who did not have the best uh, first moto. I think uh, as people got spread out, it made, became more and more difficult to pick riders off. It seemed very difficult to make passes uh, in. Unless your name is Eli Tomac, um, who uh, basically hung out behind uh, Ken Roxon for a oh, better part of 20 minutes, and we'll get to that later. But uh, yeah, a 7-2 for, uh, for Alex Martin. Uh, a great second moto. Hard not to, uh, like the only way, only way you can beat that is, is to win the damn thing. But uh, a, a weekend that uh, probably, uh, he, that's, that's not what he needs right now. He needs to win these nationals, especially at a home race like that. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people thought that Martin would uh, would kind of have his, you know, his kind of turnaround point at Spring Creek with it being his home race and him really doing well on that soil type and, and that type of uh, that type of terrain. Um, but yeah, it, that first moto, I mean, it was uh, it, it wasn't wasn't bad to say the least, but it wasn't great. It's not what he needs uh, if he's looking to uh, to contend for that title. Second overall, or second, uh, you know, the second moto, not bad either. But he can't, he can't give up any wins to uh, to here, You know, um, I don't think anyone, anyone can afford it at this point. Even somebody as talented as, as Martin, um, the, he's Plessinger's just, just, you know, head and shoulders ahead of the pack right now. And um, you know, it's it's tough to see Martin go seven two. You know, he's capable of winning. He's capable of a lot more. He should be, you know, a lot closer in points than he is right now. We all know he's super talented. He, he's got what he needs to, to make it happen, um, but we just haven't seen it. You know, we haven't seen that overall. We haven't seen um, just that that full out domination and blazing speed that Plessinger's shown. So um, it's it's a far cry to say that he can he can make it happen and uh, and, and take some points away from Plessinger at this point. I think you're totally right. Uh, it's um, it's not working out in his favor right now, and then also working into a couple of. Uh, races or a couple of tracks that I think are kind of uh, uh, Aaron Plessinger starts to rub his hands together. He knows he's good at Washougal. He knows he's good at Unodilla, uh, and I think Ironman might be his Candyland. So um, it's it's just it, it's not it's looking good for Aaron Plessinger to be able to wrap this thing up, sandwiched between those two on the podium, going four three for second overall, which is kind of a rare uh, occasion that you you end up uh, only one moto in the podium and you end up second overall. Uh, Justin Cooper, uh, great job from him as well. And, uh, yeah, the kid's uh, showing some promise. Quiet day for him, though. Didn't actually see him, uh, like, battling a whole lot within that kind of group. He was uh, uh, kind of a quiet 3-4 or 4-3 for uh, for second overall. Yeah, he didn't really have, you know, enough speed to keep up with uh, with Plessinger, but he's also a little faster than the the uh, the, the few guys behind him, you know, the, the, some guys in like that four through through six spot, which is say four through seven. Um, you know, he's he's he definitely had a had a great qualifying uh, pace. I think he topped qualifying. Yep. And you know, th- this guy has shown that he's capable of winning races. He's capable of running up front. Um, I'm not really supl- surprised by second overall. Um, I actually thought for sure we'd we'd see him with with an overall um, uh, at at this point, just from what he's shown earlier in the season. Um, but yeah, like you said, a little bit quieter ride for him. It would have been nice to see him sort of uh, show a wheel to um, to Martin or show a wheel to, to Plessinger a little bit more. But 
Um, I'm sure he's happy with the second place. It's it's uh, great championship points. It solidifies that you know he can he can be a, a potential contender next year, and uh, I think he's uh, earning his ride for sure. So um, if anyone's looking to to see like what it takes to keep your ride, uh, Cooper's doing it right now. Exactly, especially as a rookie performance, uh, uh, setting the bar rather high. He's gonna have to uh, to back this up next year, but I don't think that's gonna be a problem for him. The kid's got talent. Um, having a much better uh, day than he's had pretty much all year. I don't think he has a podium on the season so far. I could be wrong though. Jordan Smith with a three seven, um, bit of, like kind of a, a the opposite kind of day that Alex Martin had. I think he ended up going down uh, in the second moto, uh, which ended up why he was a, a seventh place finisher but uh decent day for uh for jordan smith same can be said for uh joey savacci two guys that have kind of struggled all season long both kind of a get right day they put themselves in the top five yeah uh martin or uh, sorry smith hasn't really uh shown us that quote-unquote smith type of riding uh this season you know he, he had a little little flashes of brilliance here and there but um yeah it's, it's been kind of lackluster for him which he really you really wouldn't picture you saying about Jordan Smith. I mean, he's he's a talented kid. Um, you know, he's he's by no means a rookie in this class, and you know, he's he's one of uh, he's one of KTM's top guys right now. So, um, just you know, he's had he's had a really lackluster and quiet season, and that's really something that you can't afford to have in this class. Not with so so many fast, talented riders. It's it's fairly stacked right now. It's very limited rides available. Um, Jordan's really got to got to start showing something here, and same with Savachi. I feel gutted for the guy. I mean, you'll you'll see him top three on some starts or pull a whole shot and really run up front for a little bit, but he either fades back or runs to some you know technical issues with, with the bike or uh, more unfortunate stuff. Man, I just feel like this guy has a gray cloud hanging over his head, and it's been a, a year that I'm sure he wants to forget at this point. So um, yeah, those two guys are kind of. One and the same, maybe with Sabaji taking more of the brunt of the bad luck, but uh, it's same same deal as we as we talked about with uh, with Martin. These guys are title contenders. They should not be in those positions, and they really need to start waking it up if they want to keep these rides number one and uh, and keep Putzinger at bay because he's he's taking their money, man, big time, and uh, and they they definitely need to need to, need to make something happen soon. For sure, and I, I think uh, Jordan Smith's season has a lot to do with the fact that uh, he missed. Uh, all of last season with the knee injury uh, and hadn't ridden outdoors at all in almost uh, two, uh, almost a year and a half leading into this season. Not to say that he shouldn't be well warmed up by now, but uh, starting the season behind the eight ball. And, and actually last last week we talked about possibility of that uh, that KTM not maybe not handling as well as uh, they would hope. I, I, this late in the season, you still hear uh, Shane McElrath and uh, and. Uh, Alex Martin talking about testing the motorcycle and and working the bugs out. Uh, we're we're eight rounds down, I believe. Eight, is it eight rounds? I believe it's eight, eight rounds. Uh, yeah, believe it's eight, eight rounds down, only four to go. Like we're uh, we're two thirds of the way through this thing. The bike should be settled out and completely all systems go. Apparently, that's not the case for the KTM guys, and uh, maybe not be showing on Alex Martin's part, but uh, certainly in the case of, say, a Sh- a Shane McElrath or uh, Sean Contrell, who ends up going 14-14 for 16th overall, which is just a uh, uh, unfortunate kick in the balls for a kid who uh, put in two of his better motos all year long uh, and still doesn't get uh, rewarded for it with the, with the 16th overall. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, you know, the more we talk about it, the more you pay attention to it, you can kind of see their bikes just getting really busy through some of the rough chop. They're having 
it looks like a harder time setting up for corners coming out of that uh, those those uh, really harsh breaking bumps. Um, I'm not not exactly sure if it's just technique or if it's if it's you know the bike, but they're on the the KTM's are just phenomenal bikes and stock trim, and uh, you know I can't imagine that they wouldn't refine that even more and massage these bikes for these riders. So yeah, it's um, we talked about it. It's a little uh, concerning to hear that they're still testing this late when you know everyone else had their stuff ready to go in, in March, you know. Um, if, if that's an issue, then they really need to figure it out because it's really hurting their team big time. Results-wise, uh, it's preventing their, some guys from uh, possibly getting rides next year if their equipment is limiting them. So um, I hope that's not the case. I hope it's just something, you know, mental or, or something on the riders' part. I hope that this team that is a powerhouse team isn't, kind of uh dropping the ball like that you know for sure and uh and, and time will tell whether or not those riders that have been struggling i.e uh uh mitchell harrison sean cantrell uh and even honestly uh jordan bailey who uh was highly touted coming out of the amateurs uh is yet i think he's got he maybe has one top 10 overall uh not a uh not not what they're looking for when the when uh when Rockstar Husky was signing their uh, uh, their 250 team. They probably weren't thinking that they were their their guys would go 11, 12, 13th overall by mid season. But that's that's where they're currently at, and uh, exactly. those kids need to get some. Need, those, those kids need to get something done. Um, surprising do. to see Dylan Ferrandis as far back as he was this weekend. I didn't notice any crashes, so to speak. But that must have been the case, or just a completely off day. Um, like uh, likely not even on the lead lap for the uh, for his first moto uh, with the eleventh, so possibly getting collected that that first turn pileup that was pretty gnarly. That could have been the case, but uh, that's all I can think of as far as uh, an eleven uh, eight performance for tenth overall for uh, Dylan Ferrandez. Still a top ten overall, but uh, that's about ten spots away from where he probably wants to be. Yeah, that's that's very confusing, especially. You know, with, with him coming out swinging like he's been at Southwick and Redbud and really being in the mix of things and looking like one of the only guys to, to put the pressure on Plessinger, um, like, consistently and, and, and to that degree. Um, you know, if this was his first race back, we'd, we'd chalk it up to a, a successful race. But being that it's still in Ferrandez and, we, and he's shown us, you know, I, I'm capable of winning, um, it's, it's really lackluster. Um, you know, you didn't really see, hear much about him or see much about him at this track. Um, you know, he's, he's used to the kind of soil. I mean, he, he kicked butt at Red Bull, which is very similar soil type. Kicked butt in Southwick, which is even arguably rougher than this um, by, by quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's tough to kind of decipher and say, you know, what it was. Um, you definitely got to do some digging and, and, and figure it out. Maybe he's having an off day or, or sickness or something. And it didn't, didn't seem like it's a bike issue. But, uh, yeah, hopefully he can turn it around for these next couple of rounds and at least uh, you know, nag himself a, a couple wins here and there and some decent finishes. Absolutely. No, I totally agree. Uh, Dylan Ferrandis is a guy who needs to be up front. Uh, and uh, oh, oh, I have to dig a little deeper to find out what held him from that. Um, pretty much uh, like a, 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 a similar or like a like kind of what we've seen from them all season, I think if uh, I think there's three guarantees in life so far this se- this season: death, taxes, and Chase Sexton getting sixth overall. Uh, he always he seems to find some some combination to get two right around there. Not to say that's a bad thing, but uh, um, 
you know he's looking for better results as well. Uh, Austin Forkner, a second place in the first moto, and uh, tragedy strikes when uh, he collides with a, uh, a lapper, ends up on the ground and, uh, and and unable to continue, or he was able to continue but ends up 18th. And uh, yeah, that's that's a, a another uh, possible possible uh, podium day for uh, for Austin Forkner that uh, is not to be. It's such a bummer for something that's really, you know, really not in control for him. Um, just, you know, Lapper coming over on him and crashing, uh, that's definitely a tough pill to swallow. Um, you know, he, he looked good in the first moto, and you know he's, he's got heaps and heaps of talent. And, uh, you know, who knows, maybe that guy was on route to, to really kick some butt and, and, and challenge Plessinger. Um, he's he's one of the faster guys in this class. You know that you know that he's capable of a lot more than uh, what this year's had for him. So um, yeah, it's, it's just another thing, man. I feel like the PC guys, man, they're it's either they're doing awesome or they're 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 in the dumps, man, for a while. So um, I know they're going to be looking for some redemption. Come Washugal, um, Forkner's won there before in the past, so I, I you know you know he likes that place. Um, the soil's going to be a little bit different. Maybe a change of scenery and a uh, change of dirt type might be a little bit better for uh, for him and a few others. Um, might you know maybe that's what uh, what Amart and a few of these other guys need like like Forkner and, and Sabachi to kind of um, liven up their uh, their their series so far. But um, yeah, it sucks for uh, Forkner. You know you know he's probably super bummed about that. Could have been a, another podium day for him and and another step towards building that confidence and to maybe take down Plessinger in the next couple of rounds. So uh, we'll see if it turns around for him and uh, if he can kind of wipe this out of his memory and not, uh, not take it in with him to, uh, to watch Hugo. Well, it would be awfully hard, uh, difficult for, uh, for Austin Forgner to forget the bad motos so far this year uh, as there's been more than a few of them. But uh, you got to chalk those up as uh, uh, moto stuff happens. But uh, at some point, you got to kind of scratch your head a little bit uh, as to why it's all going on, but either way, um, the kid's shown speed, and he'll continue to do so throughout the, the remainder of 2018. Let's throw it to 450s, but before that, let's run those commercials, which includes a sponsor plug for uh, the Collective Experience. We'll be right back here on the Big MX Radio Show with Dave Drakes. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Let's take a break and listen to some commercials quickly, then we'll be right back to the podcast. Thanks for listening. In motorsports, the action pulls us in, and often we never get close enough to the exhilaration and athletes that amaze us. Although trackside seats are available, nothing gets you closer to motocross and supercross action than the collective experience. Dave Drakes has created an exclusive opportunity to get you closer to the sport you love so much. If you want an all-access experience with Adam or Tyler Entiknap, Henry Miller, John Ames, or even the cat, AJ Catanzaro, you need to check out the collective experience today. TheCollectiveXP.com, as well as TheCollectiveEX on Instagram, is where you can find the collective experience. Do so immediately. The collective experience. Nobody gets you closer. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well... You better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us.
Cereal B's Amigos. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat ball. Hey, guys, it's Fly Racing's Justin Brayton, winner of the 2018 Daytona Supercross. You're listening to the Big MX Radio. And we're back. Big MX Radio podcast show here with Dave Drake's Dangerous Dave Drakes, I know that you're still riding the wave from your most recent album, Scorpion, being released. Uh, you've got a lot of uh, uh, public appearances that you've had to uh, attend to, uh, Drake. But uh, having you on is always a pleasure, and you know I'd love to talk moto. So uh, a lot of people didn't know uh, Drake is a huge motocross fan, and uh, pleasure to have you on, my friend. Oh, big time. Yeah, you know, taking a break from... Uh you know, all the women and jet setting and, you know, and, uh, and special guest appearances to talk Raptor, to Moto Raptor bands, games. Know. Exactly. Always, uh, always, always down to talk Moto. Fair <laughs> enough. Of course, we still have Dave Drakes on the phone and, uh, I like to have some fun with Dave Drakes every once in a while because he is a, uh, uh, you're just, you're, you're good, you're good about it. I, I can give you shit and you're not gonna, you're not gonna, uh, give me a hard time about it. So, uh, uh, exactly. If you weren't if you weren't giving me shit, then I, then that means you don't love me, man. You know. So that's right. I only make fun of people I don't like, uh, or I do, that I like. So uh, if I if I don't talk about you, it's probably because I don't like you. Um, exactly. So uh, plenty. Uh, so you can probably bet that I I'm, a, I'm very fond of Mr. Dave Drake's of the collective experience. But let's talk 450s here. Let's talk about that second moto before we even talk about that first moto because Eli was gone. Eli Tomac hang, hung, hangs out in third place for about 25 minutes. There's about seven minutes left on the clock. They end up getting three laps to go rather than the two laps to go, which I think was huge. And on that lap, Eli Tomac goes, and in that frame of time, Eli Tomac goes from being uh, an outside chance to get second by passing uh, Ken Roxon, when you're watching the motor, you're like, "How does he get by Marv? Like, how does this even happen?" If you knew what the like the 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 uh, finish line was going to look like, or like you knew what the results were going to look like, how does he end up getting past him? Does Mark go down or something like that? And he just hammer down, drops his lap times, doing a, a two sixteen when no one is doing two sixteens. Goes out there, grabs that overall, and he was he was smiling ear to ear. Which only Eli does when he wins, so uh, good on him. Yeah, it was mind blowing. Um, you know, Marvin had a pretty good sized gap, and this was, you know, a, a lot of people around me when we were watching were thinking this was, you know, another one for Marvin, another another win, um, you know, uh, another chance for him to kind of get that confidence going and more chipping away more points in the championship and uh, towards that red plate, uh, you know, to be back in his hand and. The, the pace that Eli showed last the last two or three laps and the deficit that he came back to you know he came back from was incredible it was it was almost like you know watching Roxin the way he was shredding through Millville back in the Suzuki days and uh, you know I, I I actually had my dad call me I haven't watched a, a pro race in years I mean since like Ricky and James years and called me was like hey man that tomac is something else you know it was, it was just, it was insane that, that that someone like, you know, someone could come back from that far and catch him in such a short amount of time. And he's he's not doing this to guys who are AMs by any means. I mean, Marvin is one of the fastest riders in the world, multi-time world champion. Ken Roxon, I mean, the guy has accolades upon accolades. 
and Tomac's making him look like it's just 50 cc practice. You know, he's the way he's charging the downhills and and the, his line selection, the way he attacked the whoops, it's just it's unreal. And it looks like we have to make another class for riders like Eli to to compete. Yeah, no, it's it's just uh, he he's it's Eli's world we're living in. He's he's uh, making these passes at will. Uh, he made a pass at the bottom of that hill that uh, I didn't see anyone else make a pass there all day long. Uh, heading up towards that big triple, which I actually because of um, the mistake Marv makes in that corner, I don't think he's able even able to do the triple up the hill, which is, was able like uh, that's why Eli was able to break away so quickly. And after that, hammer down. See you later. Takes the checkered flag with uh, uh, a little bit of breathing room and uh, a one-one performance on the day gives him the points lead. Uh, I believe he was down by three coming in. Uh, he got three points in the second moto and seven on the other uh, second moto. I guess he has a fourth. The difference there is seven points. So he leaves uh, seven points up. Obviously, that's still a super narrow margin, but uh, a 1-1 performance heading into uh, a track where they've both done well in the past. Uh, you got to be feeling good if you're Eli Tomac. Yeah, well, 100%. I mean, um, he's got the, <laughs> a world full of confidence right now. Uh, no one, no one can really can deny that guy a, a win except for Marvin, and, and and even now, I mean, with with the ride that he had this past weekend, you, you got to know that momentum shifted in his favor, and uh, and Marvin must be looking at himself like, you know, hey, you know, am I in the right class? You know, was I on a sixty-five or something? So hmm. it's um, it, it's it's very it's it's hard to say what Eli is doing differently. I, I think it's just he's attacking things just harder than than everyone else you know which is which is kind of weird to say but um he's on a tear right now i mean I, I, it's we, we haven't seen this in a, in a long while it's super cool to see that type of racing you know you know you and i love it when you know somebody comes from that far back and completely changes up the race in the last few laps makes it very exciting um you know a lot of the, a lot of tomac fans were excited um i would have loved to have seen roxon and Luskin put up a little bit more of a fight though a little bit of dicing would have been amazing, especially on a rough track like Spring Creek or Millville. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, what, you know, to, to to deny Tomac right now that win, man, it, it's and it looks like it's his championship, and he's he's making a statement right now that he's the next big thing. Well, he is the thing right now, and uh, he's got the points lead, four fifty class. Kevin Roxon and Marv round out your uh, your your top three. Uh, decent days from both of them. Uh, Marvin unable to uh, crack that uh, top three in the first moto. I think that was a little bit indicative of how his day was going to go. Maybe not totally feeling it uh, out there that particular day. And you, you can't have those when you're, you're you got the red plate. Um, I think that uh, maybe I wouldn't say the red plate's heavy whatsoever. I don't think that added a ton of extra a worry on his part but uh, there is a uh, a stigma that comes with that thing is that the, you you got that that plate for a reason and you want you don't want it taken away from you so maybe a tiny bit of pressure comes in into effect there um a, a podium moto for Blake Baggett which i believe is maybe the second or third of that of of which we've seen all year long which is uh rare we, we were used to seeing him uh challenging for wins and i know he's dealing with a thumb injury so good on blake for being able to get inside that top three fourth overall and steady eddie barsha uh the top yamaha on the day ends up uh ends up fifth so uh pretty consistent throughout the top five including the top six actually with uh with weston pike going six six as well I'll, you know, I, I said it before, and I'll say it again. I know, you know, he's got the thumb injury, 
um, and stuff that he's working through. But um, man, I really I keep expecting Daggett to to kind of be up there with with Muskin and Roxon and and showing something to Tomac. You know, yeah. um, it, it, you know he's capable of it, especially after last year. I really really thought. Um, that this year would be, you know, last year would be a kind of a growing year and like that, that year that he can kind of see like, Hey, you know, I, I can battle with these guys. I am a top tier rider and I do deserve these wins. And just seeing him surprise all of us, you, you really expect that this year. And, and, and you know, that he's, uh, he's capable of it. He's got the talent, he's got the speed, but for him to, you know, to not really put together and, uh, you know, fourth here and, you know, and a third there, that, that's not bad. Um, but still is, you know, I, I was so shocked about what he did last year. I was really hoping that he would come out blazing and, and kind of you know show Tomac that he's a he's a top guy as well and this is, this could be his his title. Um, so, but you know, at, at the end of the day, the guy rode great, got himself a, a, a you know spot on the box, which is which is not bad at all. Um, you know, fourth overall, nothing to, nothing to sneeze at, and um, you know, congrats to Barsha too in the top five. He's kind of another guy that I would put in that slot of you expect him to do a little bit better than he has been doing. And he'll he'll show you you know hey I can get third one weekend or um you know or or or, or something a little bit better but um yeah the I don't know five five I just I feel like I feel like he's capable of so much more and, um and you know he has it in him so to not see it is a little disappointing but again these guys are you know they're a million times faster than, than I wish I could be so um you know hats off to him for sure for sure these guys are uh, are clicking them up and I actually talked to. Benny Bloss, who's 10th overall, uh, having the same moto scores as your uh, 250 10th overall, uh, 11-8 on the day for him. And uh, he had mentioned that, yeah, this this is, uh, at this point of the season, there is some serious fatigue coming in. Uh, These guys, like, obviously, a guy like Benny, this is his first season basically racing them all. I think he missed a couple of supercrosses, but for the most part, he's raced them all. Uh, it's it's uh, It's a grind. These guys are uh, are really getting into that kind of spot in the season where uh, it's becoming a bit of a job. They're 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 tired of getting on airplanes. They're tired of uh, of, of doing the motos. They're tired of this, that, and the other thing. Of course, it's still a job that you and I would give our left nut to have, but uh, it's still hard work. And uh, yeah, like. Uh, I don't even know how much riding and testing these guys can do midweek because uh, of the workload that they have. Exactly. Uh, you know, burnout is a real thing in this sport, uh, especially when you have you have it as regimented as those guys do. With, like you said, the travel alone is enough to make anyone crazy. You know, throw in the just brutal, demanding training they're doing, uh, the nutrition part, uh, all of the all of, all of the different things that it takes to to be an elite rider at this level. You, you got to know that they're they're probably getting gassed out at this point. That you know, not only that is, but the, the competition is just it's insane, and these tracks are not smooth at all. Um, you know, rough is an understatement for a lot of these. So you can only imagine, you know, doing this for all of Supercross, then coming to these super rough tracks, you know, for eight rounds, you know, straight. It's it's got to it's got to take a toll on them, and maybe that's what we're seeing in these uh, you know these top top four through top eight guys just. You know, they, they want to get to the next level, but, you know, maybe fatigue's setting in, and that's where, you know, Muskin or Tomac, the guys who can manage that, maybe that's where they're starting to, you know, that's where they shine. That's where they really, um, you know, distance themselves from everyone else. Uh, but, yeah, uh, fatigue in the sport is, is very real. We've seen it in a lot of riders. It's, it's claimed a lot of careers, um, and hopefully, 
you know, we see this, we see this being managed so that way we can have uh, more and more guys up front and, and make, make racing a lot better. What's your take on, uh, on, um, Benny Bloss's rookie season, uh, full rookie season as a, uh, a 450 competitor, obviously last year dislocating his shoulder and not being able to come back till the latest quarter of the outdoor nationals. Uh, what, what's your, what's your take on how he's kind of established himself as uh, as a contender in that class? I think he's done a really good job. Uh, his, his results may be a little inconsistent, inconsistent at times, a little bit less consistent than, you know, than some of the guys that he's capable of riding around. Um, you know, he, like, a, like a Pike who's always solid, very rarely will he kind of fall out of that top six, top seven spot. Um, or with someone like a, uh, you know, a, a Baggett. Um, but, yeah, overall, I think for a rookie in the 450 class, doing as many rounds as he did for the first time, um, you know, being a kid who's, what, like 6'6", six, six, just, you know, really not made for this sport, to see him, you know, hanging, hanging up front and, and, and staying with, like, you know, the top five, top six pack, I think he's really made a good name for himself. He's got himself a lot of fans now, and he's really shown that he deserves that ride he has. Um, I'm, I would say that, if, you know, if the season ended right now, it would be a successful season for him. Um, other than that, other than the in- inconsistencies, I think he'll, he's learning a lot. Uh, he's starting to realize that he's he's a contender for, for a lot of these, um, you know, top 10, top 6, top 5 spots. And, and hopefully this carries on for next season uh, into Supercross, builds his confidence, helps him to, to get, uh, you know, a, a, a more solid foundation. And, um, and start to start to move up, you know. Who's to say we can't see this guy be a top three consistent guy or top four consistent guy, um, you know, week in week out? You know, only time will tell. Totally right. I think uh, if if nurtured properly and able to uh, get some much needed rest, it sounds like uh, Benny Bloss has the tools to be very successful in the sport of motocross and uh, and to come. He's already got that podium in a moto. That's great to see, and, uh, and we'll, we'll, there'll be more from him, I guarantee that. Uh, a couple other uh, notables as you kind of look down the the, uh, the results. Uh, a decent day for Justin Hill, 8th overall, 10-7. Uh, trending in the right direction, only a handful of races on the 450 outdoors. Uh, definitely uh, pretty quiet day. But uh, but very like just doing his doing his job uh, and 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 putting his putting that Suzuki where it needs to be. I think he's uh, second to the top Suzuki uh, out there. So that that's uh, that's a feather in his cap. Home race for Henry Miller, who ends up uh, just outside the top ten. He goes nine eleven for eleventh uh, overall. Of course, you remember last year when uh, grabs the whole shot and then augers that front end in and goes ass over tea kettle. Uh, I believe actually we had him on the show one, exactly one year ago this week after that uh, that awesome spectacular crash. And uh, John Short, a guy who uh, I believe at some point was part of the collective experience, could be wrong about that, but uh, uh, definitely a candidate for it. Um, uh, first national of the season, I, I think, or maybe second national of the season, and he goes 22-18, pretty good for a guy that uh, I think he works for a living, so that's pretty good. Uh, good for anybody who could work a nine to five and come out race a pro national and, and even qualify for just, just the regular race. Man, that's, that's a, uh, that's a solid feat. You know, I know you and I have nine to five and there's no way we could do that. So, um, it's, it's making these guys look like superheroes for sure. Uh, I really, uh, I was really pumped to see, uh, Henry Miller, you know, kind of best his performance last year. Um, you know, I see the kid is definitely capable 
of, uh, of you know, a top top eight, top seven type of ride. I think it starts starting to hurt him a little bit. It, it, you know, as you can see, it's evident from uh, Red Bud and, and even this weekend. Uh, but hats off to the privateers sneaking in the top 11 and, and kind of uh, showing these guys that, you know, this is this track and he knows it really, really well. And, um, and yeah, hats off to a great, great ride. Um, I also like Vogel's uh, looking more consistent. I think he just, you know, he, he thinks he's to elevate his, his speed a little bit. So he's consistently around the spot that he's been finishing in with the, the 12 and the 13 and stuff. It's just he needs to he needs to find that extra gear to just be in the top ten. But you know who who knows the extent of his, his uh, the injuries he's had and all those concussions racked up. But um, you know, hopefully it turns around for him and, and he can sneak it in a, a better spot. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I still don't know what to make of Justin Bogle. Uh, I've made it my mission to get him on the podcast soon, maybe to. Uh, uh, nicely grill him with those questions, but uh, whether or not he'll, he'll give me that inf- interview is another question. We'll see what happens. Um, Got to imagine a frustrating day uh, for not only Jerry Robin, but anyone who had him in so- in uh, in fantasy as he goes 21-37 for 27th overall. So no points uh, to speak of on his part, uh, and uh, maybe a few points as far as uh, fantasy is concerned. I know that he's probably had a big handicap to get that 21st, so maybe a few points scored there, but the 37 doesn't look good either. Uh, so a tough day for Jerry Robin, a tough day for Dylan Merriam, and a tough day for uh, your best bud, uh, Brandon Shar, who ends up going 39-36 for dead last. Yeah, it's it, it, that was that was a tough one to swallow. Uh, yeah, Brandon is another guy that's capable of being in the top 10 any weekend, and uh, just bike issues and and a little, you know, little tip overs and, and falls that just compounded uh, throughout the weekend just kind of were his downfall. Uh, it's it, it was a little, you know, a little gut wrenching to see somebody with you know that much speed and potential and who's fit and you know can can make it happen to have to pull into the pits early. And you know, I know just as much as we're all bumped for him, he's probably ten times more bumped. So um, you know, hopefully uh, his bike issues can finally be sorted and uh, he can kind of <laughs> stop with the crashes and. And ride like he knows, like like we all know he, he knows how to. And uh, you know, speaking of Jerry Robin, uh, I love you know like Jerry, good uh, good friend of mine, and he's on the to the program last year. And I, I think Jerry's one of the fastest guys to not to like almost never break the top twenty. The guy is just so talented, and he's got you know a lot of a lot of sprint speed. He knows you know he knows Spring Creek very very well. He likes oh, yes. his equipment, likes likes his bike. But you know, he just he can't seem to get it done in these long motos. Um, you know, it, I, I don't know what what more to say about the guy, but that uh, he just he needs to figure out what's getting him so gassed and how to ride these these races consistently. Because you know, his lap time will it will, will be very very competitive, and then it'll just start to add on a second or two seconds here or three seconds to the point where he's pulling off early. And you know, it, it's it's like seeing someone you know throw a Ferrari in the dumpster, you know, it's like so much wasted potential right there, and you know you know that that thing is capable of so much, but it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's just being tossed to the wayside, so uh, whatever whatever Jerry needs to do to, to keep himself, you know, in these races for the for the whole duration, and to ride up in the places where, you know, a lot of these privateers who are, you know, not as talented as Jerry are, you know, are, then then I think um, I, I think things should turn around for him. 
but hopefully it's nothing, you know, too, too major. Hopefully it's something with a nutrition or something like that that's, that's easily fixed. But, uh, you know, Jerry is definitely capable of, of, of doing some, some damage in these classes, you know, from a privateer, privateer standpoint. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's tough to see that for somebody's home race. Absolutely. Uh, if to, to steal uh, a term from another podcast, Jerry's going to Jerry. Apparently, uh, it's it's not. It, it's it's still tough to watch sometimes. Yeah, his fastest lap of the second moto was a two thirty or two twenty eight, which is eight seconds off. But at the same time. Those are the like his two twenty eight is basically right in the same lap time as Kyle Cunningham, who was well inside the points. Exactly, and we're seeing that consistently from from Jerry. You yeah. know, he, he he could be a he could be up there with those guys battling and, and you know getting the top privateer spot, uh, but he's just he's just not lasting throughout these motos, and it's something at this at this level you, you can't be pulling off every race. You know, you no. you, you have to make sure that your fitness and nutrition. Are, are top notch at least with, you know within your means and uh, and do whatever it takes to make sure that you're you're showing yourself in the best light because this is this is a this is a tough way to keep sponsors and to keep people supporting you you know that it is uh, so uh, yeah I think that wraps it up for the 250s and the 450s uh, for Millville Spring Creek I I, I believe you'll probably take. Uh, a little bit of reprieve from going to these these races uh, for at least a week or so, uh, Dave. As uh, you're probably not driving out to Washougal for uh, for the next one, but uh, pretty cool to have to have had you attend uh, three nationals in a row and uh, come back and report on them for us. Yeah, I, I'd love I'd love to do more if I could. You know, Washougal's a bit of a haul. Um, thinking about uh, you know seeing what we can do for for Bud's Creek or Unadilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely going to be there for for Ironman and Max. That track is unbelievable, and we okay. saw some great things there last year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be nice to, to actually uh, sit in my own bed too. That's that's going to be nice. I'm looking forward to that. So. <laughs> well, right on, my friend. Uh, enjoy that bed and the next uh, about an hour of your drive. Always a pleasure. Don't hang up just yet. For podcast sake, check out the collective experience, and uh, we'll cut it off right there.